Hi, I'm Peter Harrington, and you're listening to Policy and Pandemics, a podcast from OPM giving you a unique look into the COVID-19 crisis around the world. Welcome to our first episode of Policy and Pandemics. Our goal with this podcast is to give people a unique perspective into how governments around the world are tackling the COVID-19 crisis and the tough policy questions that come with it. We're really excited for our first guest to have Etienne Jaffai, who is the Deputy Foreign Minister of Albania. Etienne, a warm welcome to you. Thank you very much for the interview, Peter. Etienne, to get us started, could you describe the current situation in Albania for us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, right now in Albania, we have around 420 cases of people who are sick uh, with COVID-19. We have 22 uh, unfortunate victims over the past four weeks. We've had the disease and social distancing in Albania for the past four plus weeks. So it started on March 10th and 11th that the government moved very proactively with uh, measures to ensure that people were locked in since most of our cases had come from abroad so mostly from italy and people who had traveled to italy this went phase by phase but the situation in the balkans evolved very quickly right now it seems that we are somewhat managing i wouldn't want to jinx the process because of course this is being a disease that you only find out a few weeks or days afterwards whether people are asymptomatic and are giving off the disease or the virus or whether they are showing uh, symptoms of the disease it's something that is complicating all of the let's say calculations of any government not just the albanian government because you are having to act let's say uh, in hindsight so in in a way you you are trying to estimate the situation as it were a week 10 days two weeks before the present Right now, though, we have around 65 people who are uh, in intensive care units. Only nine of those are actually presently linked to ventilators, uh, thankfully. We have had, as I said, 22 victims. Some of them have been younger than the average of countries in the region. But we are containing the disease in that over the past three days we had 16 and then today nine new cases and each day we had over uh, 10 people who are recovering from the disease so each day we have more people uh, getting back to health or coming out negative on their second uh, test then we have people that are sick of course at the same time the number of tests over the past three days has been 236, 236, and today 178 tests. So in a way, the number of people is decreasing. So we have 420 cases of which nine new cases today. And so basically in terms of the flattening of the curve, we are, we are managing to, to somehow bring it down uh, exponentially considering the, the beginning and the first few days. But of course, this is an unpredictable disease and it's an unpredictable virus. And especially, as I said earlier, this two-week period is something that complicates calculations for the government uh, really, really much. I'm interested in the early stages of the crisis and how that played out inside government. So like the rest of the world, in early March, you're watching the COVID-19 crisis explode across Western Europe and the scale of it was starting to become clear. 
Can you tell us about what was going on at the senior levels of government in those initial days? What were the big priorities? What were some of the big decisions made early on? The situation with COVID evolved very quickly in Albania. On the third week of February, we had a national uh, security council meeting that the prime minister called where I myself reported on behalf of the Minister of Foreign Affairs on the situation with our embassies. And even earlier than that, we had reported on the issue of our embassies in China and other countries that were directly touched by COVID, especially as we moved away diplomatic staff. As this became a very, very pressing issue, I mean, especially for the health of diplomats. And so we would uh, report, and also the Ministry of Health would report, on all the measures. Thankfully, we had some time to evaluate what we could do and what was working for countries. So in terms of adding capacity to the health system, that was one of the, let's say, immediate issues that we tried to tackle from the beginning, especially as in countries like Albania, the availability of ventilators and adequate uh, supply of medical equipment is not as large as it is in countries like the UK or the US, which are now experiencing a huge, a huge uh, issue with this. And this is why the Prime Minister and the working group that was working on this specifically moved very aggressively from the beginning to try and address the situation by managing the flow of people and interaction between people to ensure that the virus will not be by and at large um, in society, but where the numbers would be limited. What do I mean by that? We had a government meeting on Monday where all the government was present. We had a government meeting on Wednesday where no deputy ministers, we usually have deputy ministers in all government meetings. By Wednesday, we were not there. And by Thursday, government meetings were not physical anymore. It was that quickly that the situation changed and altered in Albania. By Monday, we were thinking of closing schools and they were closed on Tuesday. And then by Thursday, we already had online classes because everybody realized that there was only one way of controlling this and it was not through the healthcare system. It was by ensuring that people stayed at home and that the virus did not go and get spread into society. You describe how, like many countries, Albania has put in place lockdown measures to contain the spread of uh, the virus. Could you tell us a bit about what measures or steps the government has taken to ensure people comply with the lockdown, to ensure people are able to comply with the lockdown? The government used to have a platform that is called shibriyajidduam.al, or the Albania that we want.al, which was a platform where people could express their concerns regarding specific issues with government institutions. And all of the platform right now has been turned into servicing people who are locked in or people who are quarantined because of the disease, having dealt with problems regarding bureaucratic uh, timing, um, issues that have to do with the non-response from institutions and also corruption. Um, over the past two and a half years, Albania has built up this platform. You have in every ministry and public institutions people who reply 
very promptly to these messages that are sent directly by citizens voicing their own discord or their issues with the public institutions and of course the answer has to be within an uh, uh, within a given time uh, timeline the platform is aimed at mainly ensuring that people who cannot or who are at high risk should not get out so we have a lot of the elderly who write to the platform asking for supplies and asking for help and this is why parallel to the platform we also had a volunteering platform where people can we call it adopt a grandfather or a grandmother and help those people with shopping uh, getting basic mailing to them ensuring that they would get uh, all of the services that they absolutely need. Right from March, uh, the beginning of the second week of March, so the 11th or the 12th, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, um, the government started mailing uh, pensions to people who were locked in to ensure that they would not get out and that they would receive all of the services that they would need at home. And of course, then we changed the national emergency number, which is 127 in Albania, to specifically cater to people who either have COVID concerns or COVID-related concerns. And so the national, uh, I mean, the national emergency number basically works as a call your doctor number for emergencies, but also to ensure that people who, who need the, the healthcare are not transported by themselves to, to the health facilities, but that they're, uh, they're taken there by ambulance. The prime minister has been on top of that, meaning that almost on a nightly basis, he goes out himself and makes uh, about 30 to 40 phone calls of numbers and people who have called or have, or have written to the national uh, platform to see what their big concerns are, how they could, they can be helped. So also to enforce, um, to, to strengthen the platform and of course, the responding capability of the government. When it came to your response strategy, where was the advice coming from? Was it coming from observing other countries or was it coming from scientific advisors in Albania? It was both. Um, let's let's keep in mind that this was the second week of March. By the second week of March, the healthcare system of Italy, our close neighbor, and the country where we have most of our economic exchanges with, because it's the gate of the EU for us, so over one-fourth of the Albanian exports go through Italy. By that time, their health system was becoming overwhelmed. And, of course, you saw regions like... Uh, um, Lombardy and other regions in Italy where they were being completely uh, overrun with it and of course at the same time they had this issue where they kept um, they kept internal transportation open for two days and basically that's how the virus spread to the other regions in Italy so on one hand we had a lot of good advice from our for our, our internal uh, system of epidemiologists and all of these crisis units in Albania, but also learning from the example of Italy. It became pretty clear to us that one of the big issues was not how acute the symptoms of the disease and the virus were, but it was how quickly the people would get into the health system and overwhelm the existing capacities. And of course, at the same time, 
we realized that our health system capacities were nowhere compared to, to Italy, which is a G7 country, whereas Albania is a small country in the Balkans. So we needed to move ahead of the curve even before this flattening the curve was a term. We were trying to limit the number of people infected. So we at the time were discussing a number of options to control the contacts that the people infected with the disease had in trying to limit those contacts, and this is why it was the decision was taken. Our, our very first case, so case zero in Albania, was a gentleman who came back from Italy, gave the disease to his father, which was case one, and had been moving around for a couple of days. So we quarantined his family completely, and we moved to quarantine everybody who had traveled over the past two weeks to countries that were considered uh, high-risk countries. This was still uh, at a time when there were 40 to 50 countries in the world, not like right now when almost every country has it, where they had infections. So that was done to move directly to the source and not allow everybody to be filtered into the health system so as to overwhelm the, the health system. So the issue in the, first, in the first few days was specifically this. And a very close second one, of course, was the economic impact of the crisis. Most of the exports of Albania go to European countries, but they're labor intensive. Because of that, one of the immediate issues on March 13th and 14th became controlling um, the environment within factories and ensuring that fact in factories that the factories would not become a breeding ground for the virus. And that is something that we are still trying to, to deal with and to cope with as we are thinking of gradually and very slowly opening up the economy because it's something that we absolutely need to do. Closing down, closing down or locking down Albania to ensure social distancing has a very large economic impact on the budget. So, of course, this is one of the issues that we are discussing now. We have had, uh, we have had a package uh, for the economy, but we are now probably going to move into a second one to help people who have been laid off because of the decreased orders and capacity, and also to ensure that businesses stay afloat. Etienne, you brought up the economy there a couple of times. What has been the immediate effect of this crisis and of the responses to it on the Albanian economy? Well, one of the immediate effects has been that some of the most vibrant sectors of the Albanian economy, so the driving engines of economic growth, have completely stalled. I mean, tourism is the biggest economic sector in the world. And in Albania, it has been a sector over the past five years that has always grown at double digits. Um, right now, we saw a complete cancellation of all reservations for the next few months and of course uh, the transportation industry that has completely stalled also um, severely hampered the ability to move so that has been one of the the immediate impacts thankfully agriculture has been going because of its typology so because of people working in fields not being in contact in close contacts with many other people it has had a lot of positive, uh, let's say, development, and it has been a very good year for agricultural product in Albania. 
But the problem with that specific sector is the closure of borders because most countries now are quarantining even drivers of uh, trucks. So we are, my ministry and the emergency unit that is headed by my colleague, uh, Yantar is currently working very, very actively in trying to ensure that the borders are open to trucks and the trade can continue. And of course, there is some support from the European Union also. But in terms of economic activity, what we have seen, like in most other countries in the world, is we have seen a stalling. All the service sector seems to be um, seems to be blocked. Of course, you have still services that go that are catering and delivering that are still working, but they are at a fraction of their capacity or at the fraction of their activity previous to the lockdown and to the to the crisis. So that is one of the immediate uh, things that we saw. And then, of course, as the time and the days moves forward the the impact of that came to be felt on fiscal income like in all other countries but different to most other countries especially countries that are part of the g7 albanian countries in the western balkans are very reliant on current income for their operations meaning the capacity to increase debt is quite limited the reserves on the other side are quite limited and of course since over 99% of the businesses are small and medium enterprises that are much smaller than SMEs in developed countries. So mean, we mean here enterprises where there are family businesses down at the bottom. Uh, so basically one or two people are employed. And because of the decreased capacity or even the lockdown, they had no activity. So it moved very quickly from being an economy issue or an economic issue for the economy at large to an economic issue for families. And so the government moved in uh, two weeks ago with a, with a very aggressive package where the government is paying social security contributions for a number of employees. We are covering... Um, we are covering income for many families where people have either been left uh, laid off or where they've had issues in terms of uh, making their family business work. And right now we are working on a second package to work for companies where we will be helping more companies. And of course, all, most of these applications went through the fiscal system, so our, our tax system and of course a lot of them are online and so far um, from the first week of april we have over 13,000 demands requests from people for their salaries that have been answered positively and a number of other ones that are being addressed by the government because businesses are also in a in a very very tight spot right now it has been four weeks of lockdown so for a lot of them and especially for the exporting system a lot of the orders and a lot of the deliveries are not are not guaranteed anymore from the other side so of course the Albanian government has also moved with a hundred million euro package on guaranteeing loans for businesses and the entire package is uh, around 450 million dollars for the economy at large. And right now we are working on another 
on another package of relief that will probably be launched sometime next week. You mentioned the EU a few moments ago, and also you've spoken about the enormous impact that this crisis is having on Albania's fiscal situation. We're seeing huge stimulus packages in OECD countries, but for a country with very limited ability to borrow like Albania, what are your options and how important is international support to get through this? Well, um, to an extent, it's ironic. On March 26th, we actually received uh, a very welcome news that we had been waiting for for the past two decades. So Albania is now with North Macedonia. We are officially going to open negotiations with the EU to become full-fledged members. Um, and unfortunately, this came at a very, very troublesome time because otherwise this would have been an incredible news and a news that would have, of course, uh, been a source of uh, a, a lot of positive emotion in a country like Albania where over 92% of the population is pro-EU. And I think we are the most pro-EU country, um, certainly in Europe, probably anywhere. So. The EU, they did uh, a limited package in the beginning, but of course, the Austrian Chancellor and the Enlargement Commissioner, so Chancellor Kurz and uh, Commissioner Varheli, had a conference call with all the leaders of the Western Balkans, where they discussed to have uh, an implement, a, a tool to assist e uh, either both directly and in time Western Balkan countries, all six Western Balkan countries, so that means Albania, Serbia, Kosovo, Bosnia and Montenegro, and Northern Macedonia, in handling uh, the COVID crisis. The package was 450 million euros, of which Albania, I think, received um, 4 million immediate assistance to the healthcare system and 45 million in, 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 in loans. Uh, long term. We are still discussing uh, with the European Commission on more tools because of course this is something but this is a lot more is needed because it is a very tough time and for countries that are uh, small that have limited capacity like you said. For, for us one of the things that helps is that a lot of countries and a lot of international uh, financial institutions offered a credit line to Albania due to the earthquake of November 26. So of course we are trying to hedge and to, to manage the usage of all of these credit lines to ensure that on one hand liquidity is not an, an issue and at the other hand that of course the economy is not uh, flunking. Of course, right now, one of the big issues that remains to be seen is what package the, the European Union will use for itself. Because a lot of this, of course, you know this very well, a, a lot of the re, uh, reserve currencies, the countries are having a big, a big impact and a big issue right now. And of course, a lot of the necessities are becoming ever more expensive. So all of these suits for primary healthcare workers, the masks, the ventilators, the, the, the medicines, everything is becoming more and more uh, expensive. 
so the solution will need to be to be a, a much wider than anybody thought. Yeah. Of course, as a region, we are now working into this direction. We are constantly communicating with the World Bank and the uh, International Monetary Fund to, to fund to find out what can be done. And of course, this is not something limited to a country, a region, or even a continent. This will need to be a global solution for this, especially on the financial side. Yeah. And so as we are trying to work through our current impasse, so trying to get over the current hurdles and obstacles, meaning buying more masks, buying more ventilators, bringing in more medications uh, from countries where they have shown to be very effective in fighting COVID. At the same time, we are closely monitoring the situation with the EU, with the US, and all these international um, multilateral bodies to see what the solutions will be and then to try and work out how we will fit in. I think you're absolutely right that this crisis is going to need quite creative thinking at the international level around support for developing countries. What do you see as the immediate economic outlook for Albania? You know, what are the big challenges in the next few months? And what forward planning is going on in government at the moment around opening things up and kickstarting activity again? We saw from the Economist's Intelligence Unit report two days ago, and also from the Bloomberg predictions um, of the past week, of course, economic growth in all of the world will be severely hampered uh, by this. I saw a report uh, on CNN uh, only today that said that, especially for the European Union, this will be something that will have a very, very wide impact. And of course, then in 2021, there will be some rebound, but there will be a net loss of uh, economic uh, productivity in all of Europe, but probably in most of the world. Uh, so for us, one of the big issues is ensuring that on one hand, we and we do have the stability of the currency. Because, of course, that is one of the first tools that most countries are thinking about. But thankfully, um, the lack, the Albanian lack, has been very stable over the past four or five years. Um, the second thing is ensuring that we have enough exports to maintain the strength of our currency. And uh, right now, that means ensuring that our exports are getting to the markets, and especially most of the agricultural exports. Because that is, uh, we are in season right now for a lot of agricultural produce that needs to, to go to the market. But looking at it from a longer term uh, perspective, this means that we need to get back to producing, we need to get back to working. So we need to get our labor force back to work. Of course, that doesn't just belong on us. I mean, that doesn't just depend on us and our ability to cope with the disease and the present situation. It also depends on demand uh, in a lot of countries. So right now we are looking at the bigger scheme of things as a world, as a globe. So we are looking at avoiding this becoming a supply side crisis. So ensuring that a few months from now, regardless of how the um, virus will continue, regardless of how the medical tools to contradict the virus will go, 
that there will be enough supplies to ensure that global uh, order will be there. But at the same time, we have an immediate and that is just right here, uh, demand side uh, issue. So for a lot of our production, for a lot of manufacturing production, for a lot of the tourism industry, for a lot of the industries that produce uh, consumer goods uh, from Albania and export them, of course, there is a very, 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 very limited market because people are not uh, are not buying anything but the essentials. So, on one hand, the focus is on exporting and ensuring that these essentials or the ones that we produce get to markets. The second one is ensuring that the industries that produce the non-essentials continue to live beyond this threshold of the crisis over the next two months. The plan for Albania or the discussion for the plan for Albania, because of course the plan cannot be clearly delineated. We were thinking of having a soft opening last week to gradually uh, allow people, especially people who work in producing or in services that, that are export oriented, call centers, manufacturing and the like, to get back to work for limited uh, amount of time every day for a greater amount of time every day rather than the 8 uh, to 1 p.m. So it's a gradual easing of, of those measures exactly. to try and bring some economic yes. activity back into the... Yes, precisely. So to ease the situation and to ensure that some of the people that need to be there working for the companies and uh, enterprises to function would go and work. And then, in true Balkan style, we had uh, a couple of issues around the country, mostly related to funerals and things like that, where we had very quick distribution or very quick infection of people related to things that are very specifically cultural. You know, because you're in the Balkans, everybody has to go, everybody has to pay their last respects. And then we had in Shkodra 12 people sick from the same family from just going to the funeral. So it's something that changed overnight on Friday when we were trying to plan on to have a soft opening or liberalization of movement for specific sectors on, on Sunday. So the idea is to slowly ensuring the health and safety of all workers to open some of the sectors and to ensure that they move and then to add some services on top of it as we see that we are monitoring the situation. Etienne, we've been absolutely delighted to have you as our first guest on Policy and Pandemics. Thank you very much for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Peter. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Policy and Pandemics. A big thank you to our producer, Catherine Valentine, and our editor, Emmy Fairburn. You can get all our podcasts, as well as blogs, papers, and much more at opml.co.uk. And find us on Twitter at OPM Global. Until next time, stay safe.